0: Under promise, over deliver. Uh, I'm excited to be here. This is fun for me. This full band and, and a screen with like a moving background. and uh, We've come a long way since that little white church on the hill where you could hear every kid scream from the basement. Um, you know, and it was hot. It's like it's comfortable in here. Uh, and so I'm excited to be here. I know most of you, if you know me, you're thinking at least two things. One, you can't believe I wore a jacket two weeks in a row. Uh, and then secondly, that I need a haircut, uh, and I, I agree with that. Uh, a couple of sad changes for me as I've been here has been uh, just to know that uh, Mr. Robinson and Mr. Pinkston aren't here is a little bit of a sad thing, and, uh, but I was thinking about that as I was sitting on the front row because I know Mr. Pinkston would have very quickly told me I needed a haircut and that I need to get this <laughs> taken care of, uh, so I missed that uh, today. Uh, I am excited to be here uh, and to talk about this particular topic. In campus, I work for campus outreach for those who don't know. I usually get asked to talk about two primary things in our ministry. If our campus calls me to come and speak, they ask me to speak on one of two things usually. Something on evangelism uh, and something on dating. Those are usually the two things. And I think both of them at some level, at least from a worldly standpoint, they look at me and they think I've had a little bit of world, maybe a little bit of success in evangelism. Uh, so maybe I know a little bit about that. But then they look at my wife And they know her, and they're like, if that guy can marry that girl, he must know something about dating and relationships. And so those are the two I get to talk about. Thankfully, I'm not talking about dating today. Uh, Today we're talking about an important topic, uh, which is what God has called us to as his people. And this is an important uh, discussion for us to have today today. And, and, and I pray, even when Bethany and I were praying on the way over here, there's a fear that I have when I bring this up and when we talk about this. Because if I were to ask right now how many people in this room feel like they have, to the best, to their ability, the best of their ability over the last month, six months, year, they would say, I have shared my faith as much as I should have. I have been as faithful and an ambassador as I know to be. And I, I have done all I know to do as an ambassador of Christ. If I got everybody to raise their hand that felt that way, I bet there wouldn't be very many hands that would come up, including my own. And there's a danger when we talk about this. Uh, there, there, there's, there's, there's a subtle line between conviction and guilt that I want to try to be careful with here this morning. Uh, I. There's ways to talk about evangelism uh, that, that can really be like, you know, people are going to hell, why aren't you out there more sharing your faith? How do you sleep at night? And that is, that's a, a way, maybe not quite as straightforward as that, but that's a way a lot of people think about stirring up evangelism. The problem is, is that you know and I know that condemnation just really doesn't motivate us. But if it does, it's only for a short season. Uh, and so my, my goal today is, and let me say this on the front end, I, I do hope that all of us would leave with some sort of conviction that God would work in our heart in some way to say, God, I want to be more faithful in this. But the goal, for, my goal, I promise you my goal today is not to try to, to say, let's feel guilty and go do this. But it's to feel excited about what God has called us to and maybe to revisit this role that we have in the kingdom and maybe that it would excite us. And maybe we'd want, we'd want to aspire to grow in it. Because we, it, as just as much as I've said that about evangelism, how, how, how many people could say I've been the greatest evangelist or greatest, most faithful ambassador? Nobody could raise their hand. But at the same time, if I said how many of you have been the best husband or wife you could be this week, you probably couldn't raise your hand for that either. And this is not about what we're not, but it's more about what we're becoming and what, we're, what we want to become. And so in one sense, I hope you can say I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not what I hope to be. And that's kind of where I want to be, kind of live today is to put before you uh, the call in our lives to be ambassadors and what that role looks like in hopes that you would say, God help me to become more like that. Just whatever steps I need to take to be more faithful in this area, help me be that. So let me pray that uh, and then we'll, we'll look at this passage. Lord, I do pray that you would help us feel the right amount of conviction the right amount of excitement, uh, but mostly, God, I pray we'd be motivated by your gospel, about your by your love for us. We'd be motivated by the burden for the souls of men, uh, and we'd be motivated by the great privilege and honor it is to have a part in building something as great as your kingdom, the greatest thing we could have a part in. So I pray that today, uh, whatever condemnation people feel in this area, I pray they'd cast it at the at the cross, because condemnation does not save us, it does not make us better, only Christ does, so I pray we'd repent of that, and then whatever conviction is right, I pray, God, we'd repent of sin, but I pray, Lord, most and more of anything, we just want to honor you and we care about people and that you would help us just become more faithful in this area, and I pray it in the name of Christ, amen. Uh, so the passage we're going to look at is 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 21, Therefore we are Christ we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God we're going to talk for just a minute about this idea of being an ambassador that, call, that Paul brings up here as he refers to himself and to the people and to all believers that are uh, that are begging people to come to Christ he calls us ambassadors he calls himself an ambassador uh, and I want to talk for just a minute about what that word means uh, and literally it means uh, it, it's a place of honor the word kind of conveys honor uh, but it means representative it means messenger uh, it, this has have been a big word for these For this culture to hear uh, because uh, this was a high place. To be an ambassador of a king would mean you had a high place of honor. And so when we hear it, we ought to see this as a high place of honor. To be an ambassador for Christ is a high place of honor. But they also would have seen this as a high place of risk. There's a lot of risk involved. Y'all seen the movie Gladiator? Anybody? Everybody? Who's seen the movie Gladiator? Everybody? If you haven't seen it, that is your assignment for the week. To go and watch the movie because it is some great spiritual themes in it. But there's an interesting, there's an interesting point, interesting very beginning. Y'all remember this? So they're, they're waiting to go to war. Uh, who are they going? I don't remember who they're going to war with. Aaron can tell you. They're waiting to go to war with the barbarians. And, uh, and they've sent somebody to ask them to surrender. Uh, and so they're waiting on the ambassador or the messenger to come back. Uh, and so as the messenger's coming back, he's riding up on a horse uh, and he doesn't have a head. Uh, he's been he's been decapitated, and uh, and Russell Crowe looks at him as he walks up, and he says, uh, "They say no, you know." Uh, and the reality is, as ambassadors for as ambassadors for Christ, there is a there's a very, there's a real reality that uh, there's a lot of risk involved. Fortunately, in our culture, it's not beheaded. Okay, there are other cultures where this is still very real, uh, where it's a life and death type risk. And our culture is not that much of a risk. You know, most of our, our biggest risk usually is awkwardness. Uh, and I'll say this in our training earlier, or later, but it's like, you'll never read a headline where so-and-so, where John Smith, died of awkwardness this week. It's like, we don't, it's not, that, it's not that kind of danger, okay, the awkwardness we feel. That's usually the most, the highest risk for us. Uh, and this would be a big deal. And so one thing I want you to see here is, as ambassador is a role, oftentimes we view We view uh, evangelism and the the ministry of reconciliation primarily as a task, primarily as something that we, it's something we have got to go and do. We have been called to go and take the gospel to the world. We are to take the gospel to all nations. It is a, it's something that kind of gets on our to-do list or gets on our, if we're going to be faithful, we need as a Christian, we need to, we need to read our Bibles, we need to pray, we need to go to church, we need to talk to people about Jesus, and listen, there's something very right about that. Those things are all true. But I, I think it's, if it's just a task that's, that's compartmentalized in your life as, this is just something i got to do to be faithful, and it's not part of, in, your sen- in a sense, your identity, then it's going to be a lot harder for you uh, to connect your life to evangelism if it's merely a task. I, in my mind, the way I try to think about it, and the way I think Paul here when he says we are ambassadors, he's given us a role. He is, he is equating this idea of reaching the world to our identity, right? And there's lots of, the Bible does this a lot, gives us words that help us build our identity in the kingdom. Uh, slave, that's a word that helps us build our identity. Child is probably one of the primary words, one of the words we use the most when we talk about our identity in Christ, but it's not the only word, right? That was slave and child and ambassador uh, is just as much a part of who we are now in this new kingdom that's being built. Uh, And so this is, and so at some level, it's not whether or not you're an ambassador or not. If you're in Christ, you're an ambassador. The question is, are are you good at it? Are you a good one? Are you a faithful ambassador? That's kind of more what, uh, when we get to our role uh, in the kingdom. So that's what we want to ask ourselves is, what does it look like then to be a faithful ambassador? Uh, And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to give you five commitments that I think we see in this passage, that, that a faithful ambassador a faithful messenger, a faithful representative of Christ will be committed to these five things. Right? And, uh, and they all, have, they all start with a, with a C. One of them starts with a K, but same, same feel. Uh, I'm very proud of that, so I wanted you to notice it. Uh, and so the first one is this. Here's the f- five marks of an ambassador from this passage. The first one is this. It's a commitment to the king of the kingdom. It's a commitment to the king of the kingdom. For some reason, I flipped my... Bible to the wrong spot. Look at this. verse. Uh, verse. For the love of Christ controls us, but we have concluded that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all. Listen to this verse. that Those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. When you become a Christian, the kingdoms in which you live for change. When you Before you're a Christian, it's the kingdom of self. It's the kingdom of me. I live to build my kingdom. I live to protect my kingdom. I live to set my reputation up before the world. When you are brought into the kingdom, that kingdom changes. That kingdom mindset is supposed to shift to where I know the king that I live for now is not me. I live for a new king. 1 Corinthians 6.9 says, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, I'll read it to you. You've been bought do you not know you've been bought with a price for you were so glorify God in your body. You are not your own. And you see this in Paul's life. And I'm going to try to illustrate, I'm going to, I'm trying to take these examples and I'll I'll read a verse that kind of illustrates this particular attribute in, in, in Paul's life. Listen to this verse, Philippians three, seven through eight. It's a very uh, famous verse, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. That's the heart attitude of a Christian is that whatever it costs me to gain Christ is well worth it. And in comparison to knowing Christ, everything else is rubbish. Does that mean everything's rubbish? No. Is your family rubbish? A- absolutely not. Your family has great uh, value. But in comparison to knowing Jesus, your family's rubbish. Is your, is your job important? Does God value your job? Does he want you to work in your job in such a way that honors him? Absolutely. There is value intrinsically in your work and your reputation. And we ought to live those. But in comparison to knowing Christ, there's just it's all relative, right? Things are good, but Jesus is that much better. And Paul had the most to lose, in a sense, when it comes to job and stature and uh, just intellect and all these things. He said all these things uh, that were for my gain, I see them as a loss. And and, and why do I say that? Paul Tripp, there's a book called Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. I'm going to quote him a couple of times. This is a quote from his book. Ambassadors must die to their own kingship in order to properly represent the one true king. When an ambassador assumes his responsibilities, his life ceases to be his own. That, that's, and here, here's, what I'm, here, here's one of my main points, and I'll say this again when we do training. At the end of the day, a lot of our issues with evangelism and discipleship and reaching the world and being world-focused, a lot of them don't come down to skills. A lot of them don't come down to personality. A lot of them come down to this. Who do I live for? What, what is my life ordered and structured for? Is it, is it around, the, is the kingdom, is the kingdom and building God's kingdom and living for the king, is that the primary focus in my life? Or is it a tagline? Is it, is it something I kind of add on? Is it something I stir in because it's good and right? Or is building God's kingdom become primary as the focus in my family, in my work? In my, does, does this kingdom mindset enter into every aspect of my life. We see that with Paul. He says uh, that we no longer live for ourselves, but for the king. Are you, is he your king? Are you committed, submitted to him as your ultimate authority? And is the kingdom being built? Does all of your life fall under that goal? Do Do you view your life through the kingdom being built? A commitment to the king. Second would be this, and I'm kind of alluding to it. Second commitment is to the cause of the kingdom. A commitment to the cause of the kingdom. Uh, If you look back at the passage, uh, you'll see uh, verse 18. All this from God, through Christ, Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against him and entrusting us with the message of reconciliation. What's Paul saying here? He's saying that we have been giving. There's a great cause in the kingdom, and it is taking the world, which has been broken, which has been, uh, has been, it has been sinful, it has been tainted, and it's buying it back. It is reconciling it back. It is making it back the way it's supposed to be. Right? It's, this is what Jesus prayed for. It's, when he when he taught us to pray, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." This is what he's praying. That we should want what is, what is in heaven, what heaven is like, to be brought to this earth. And so we are to be reconciling this earth, this world, which means it's people. As you see in the verse, it means we're recon- we, we are begging people to come be reconciled to God. And it also means, we, and, the, and the Jews would have heard this. And the Jews would have, when they heard the word world, they would have heard not just Jews, not just, not just us, but the whole, everybody that we've been reconciling the whole world, all the nations, to, to himself. And so there's this call as a body of Christ. As, as a body, you are called to be reaching the nations for Christ. But it's also this idea, too, of reconciling the world. There's, there's tons of garbage in this world. Tons of, tons of things going wrong in this world. Abortion is at its highest rate. There is... This, this world is just spiraling in a sense in many ways uh, towards destruction and we're called to be reconciling it And so we work in the things of the world like in abortion and other areas uh, but here, but here's the key is that the way to change culture, the way to reconcile the world is to have changed people is to reco- have reconciled people that live for the kingdom. Uh, this is this commitment to the to the to this mission to this kingdom is at the heart of paul listen to this this may this is one of my life verses uh second timothy 2 8 through 10 remember jesus christ risen from the dead the offspring of david as preached in my gospel i, I love that I, I don't this may not be right uh, but i love the way he says as preached in my gospel now i know at some level he's saying uh the 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 gospel that I have preached, the content of the preach, the, the the content of what you've heard me say. But I have to, I believe at some level, that there's a there's a sense where there's a personal nature to this. He, this word "my" here, it's a sweet thing to him. And the reason I say that is because of where he is when he writes this. It's in jail, right? Suffering pretty hard. And there's, I feel like there's just a personal element. Uh, to, I don't. You probably won't find that in the commentary. That's fine. Don't repeat it to anybody else. Uh, But this is a personal kind of thing for me. The offspring of David is preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. That phrase, I am willing to endure anything for the sake of God's people. Anything that they don't know Christ may know him. I, that was, the, and listen. This was not like this was not figurative language. I would be willing to endure chains and a and but in bondage. And a, he's in jail. He's probably getting beat over this. This is this is a reality for him, and it's so sweet. We'll come to this in just a minute. But he remembers the gospel. The gospel is what allows him to be able to live in chains. So there has to be a commitment to the king. There has to be a commitment to the calls of the kingdom. And then thirdly, there has to be a commitment to the character of the kingdom. Uh, Paul Tripp says it like this, An ambassador's character, action, and words embody the king who is not present. Uh, if any of my points are a stretch, this might be a little bit of one. Uh, when, when 1 Corinthians, in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, where it says, the, Therefore the old is gone and the new is come. Uh, that when we come into Christ, we are a new creation. There is a new character that, get, that God is developing in us. We have a new heart, a new life. Uh, and that if we are going to be ambassadors of Christ, that, that character, that new heart has got to display itself in our lives. That we love Christ has got to change us in such a way inwardly that it impacts us outwardly. Uh, Matthew, uh, Jesus said it like this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father uh, who is in heaven. Uh, you, you go read the Sermon on the Mount and you look at, you look at the, when it starts in chapter 5 of Matthew, it just, uh, all it's talking about in chapter five, the whole sermon is just the character of the kingdom. What Christians, the character that we're supposed to have in this world as aliens, that we'd be humble, that we'd be poor in spirit, that we would hate our sin. These are, these are things that are supposed to be true about us. The old nature is gone and the new has come. Uh, and this, this statement here in 2 Corinthians is more a declaration of what is true, uh, but I do think there's merit from Jesus that this is something we pursue as well. To be changed, to be more developed, to be sanctified. Uh, and so we have to be committed to this. Committed to the character of the kingdom. Uh, I, I ask our students this question often when they think about their lives. Because, listen, we are, in a, we are in a day where freedom, freedom in the gospel, freedom in church, we are free in the gospel. In a lot of, a lot of ways, our freedom has become the thing we cling to the most in life. I'm free in Christ. And the question I try to ask our students is when they're trying to decide about what they're going to do in their life, what what job they're going to do, whether or not they're going to cheat on a test, whether or not they're going to, you know, what they're going to do in their dating relationships, uh, what they're going to do with alcohol or whatever these areas, gray areas in their life are. My question is, my question for them has become, I I want you to wrestle with not just what is okay and what is permitted but at a heart level, are you willing to do in your life whatever is best for the kingdom? Whatever is, is your primary concern about your freedom and what you can get away with, which is really, if, if that's the heart attitude, what can I get away with? That's not really a, a biblical concern, right? If or is it more, I want to honor God? I want to do what's best for his kingdom. I'm willing to have any restriction on my life. Not for my own, not, not so I can be counted as righteousness before God for the sake of the kingdom. Are you committed to the character of the kingdom? Uh, Fourth commitment that we have to have, uh, and let me just say this about, about the character before I move into this, is that your character, our character as Christians, gives credit to the message of the gospel. It gives credit to the message of the gospel. But the fourth commitment we have here is we have to have a commitment to communicate the message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom. We'll go back to eighteen and nineteen again. That is Christ. That in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. It is important for you to have a character of the kingdom. But what we must understand is is that our character. Our living our life in such a way that proclaims the goodness of God will never save anyone. In in all my years of being in ministry, I've never had anybody come to me and say, Seth, I've been watching your life, and you're so joyful, and you're so nice, and you serve. And because of all those things, I realized I was a sinner, and I needed to repent of my sins and place my trust and faith in Christ, as my substitutionary atonement. It never happened. My, my life gives credit to that. Our life gives credit to that as broken people growing in Christ and maturing. But it is not the message. Uh, you, there are, there's a quote. Uh, St. Francis of Assisi gets credit for this. I think it's out of context. The guy was a good guy. Uh, so I, I don't want to say that he has, I don't want to give him full credit for this in a bad way. It was probably out of context. But it's you've been used in a bad way at least. If he said it with a good reason, it's been used in a bad way. He used the, he, the you probably heard it before, go and preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. was kind of his quote. Uh, and I hate that quote, because you have to use words. The gospel is a message of reconciliation. Okay? People will, how will they believe if they have not heard, right? And how will they hear if there's no one to preach to them? And how will they preach if they're not sent? Your life gives credit to the message, but your life is not the message. Here's the bottom line. If your life's a message, it's not that great a message, right? Because you're still pretty messed up, right? If they look at you and they say, I'm going to look at this guy's life and see how great he is and see if that, that, that's not. Because we're still broken people moving towards Christ. It's a message of reconciliation. They need to know that we're sinners saved by grace. Uh, one of my favorite verses, uh, I, I would, Think about this illustration. This is kind of my levity of the moment, but think about this illustration. If if we sent an ambassador, if Obama sent an ambassador to uh, North Korea or somewhere, and he said, uh, and there and there was a message that he was giving them, giving giving this ambassador, he said, "Hey, listen, basically, if North Korea doesn't shape up uh, and fall in line on these things, then we're going to blow them up." Right? That's just that's a bad message. I hope we never do that. Let's just say that's the message. Uh, and so imagine if an ambassador walked into a meeting and he said to all the delegates that were there, and he said, hey guys, I got a, I got a really important message from the United States of America. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to live here for like the next two months, see if you guys can figure it out. You know? And that would be, be a horrible way to communicate something very important, right? But, I, but honestly, I, I think that's the way uh, the, the that many believers in their mind justify their lives by saying, "This is I'm just going to live my life in front of them." And please, please, oh please, hear me say, you must do that. But we have a we have a great message of reconciliation that we have to take to them. One of my favorite verses in evangelism this is Paul. Listen to this: 1 Corinthians two, one through four. Super Christian. All right, remember Paul? Super like if there's a hierarchy in Christianity, Paul is the greatest Christian that ever lived right? Somebody Peter blew it all the time. Like, Paul was really like, he's up at the top. Super Christian Paul. Here, here, here's, here's what he says. And when I came to you brothers, uh, I did not come proclaiming to, to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in a demonstration of the Spirit uh, and the power. I don't know about you, but that's a super encouraging verse to me. That the Paul, the super Christian, uh, he was scared, uh, and he trembled, uh, and he didn't view himself as having the greatest, most plausible, eloquent words, and yet he was faithful, and we can all agree God did a ton through his life. Uh, and so we must be committed to this message, to proclaiming this message. And then finally, fifthly, we must be compelled by the love of the king. Uh, we must be constrained by the love of the, of the king. Uh, the word here used um, in the first verse for the love of Christ controls us is, is a word that means it, it pressures us in a good way. It I feel it in such a way that it that it's what pressures me out now when we hear pressure we hear something we hear like a peer pressure like it's a bad thing, but it's not it's it 's a sense where it the love of Christ wells up me in me so much that this pressure like I have to get it out I have to take this love to the world and I think it's interesting because even today we talked about how uh, we must be dependent on Christ we must be. We can't be self-dependent. And I'll would, I would stand here before you and say, if you depend on yourself, it's a frustrating thing because you can't save souls. You can't save anybody. You can't talk them into the kingdom. You can't convince them. You can't reach in and change their heart. Only the God of the universe can do that. And we must be dependent on him. But you also got to be dependent on him for the motivation. The motivation has got to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting. This passage starts and ends with it, or at least what we're talking about. This whole idea of the message of the reconciliation, this ministry, is coupled between uh, He died for me, and then it ends with He who knew no sin became sin for us, so that we might have the righteousness of God. That's where the motivation comes from. That's where we. Why? Why should you share your faith because you're, you're nervous? Because you want people to go to heaven? Absolutely. Why should you share share your faith? Because it will help change the world? Absolutely. Are there tons of great motivations to share your faith? Yes. What should be the chief? The love of Christ. You've experienced a love in such a way that you want others to experience so well. Curry R. Blake as a pastor. This is his quote. This has stuck with me for a while. If your gospel is not touching others, it hasn't touched you. Uh, And I think that's probably the biggest struggle here. That's why I come back to the very beginning. Most of our struggles in our ambassadorship aren't necessarily skill-oriented as much as they are heart-oriented. I've known, I, I, know, I know one guy, I can think comes to my mind, who's the least skilled guy I, I've ever seen in evangelism. But at a heart level, he's there, and he is doing it all the time. And he's had some fruit, and it's pretty amazing, because I look at it, and I'm like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how anybody, because I mean, one of his, his first, I remember his first evangelistic experience was, uh, he went up to a guy on a beach project, and uh, he said, hey, man, you want a free gift? That that was his evangelism technique. That's not a great one. I don't know if y'all have done this very often. It's a bad technique. But he just kept trying and kept trying. has been faithful his whole life. Uh, I think about my first two experiences with evangelism. Um, the first time, I learned the bridge diagram. I knew how to communicate the gospel. And I went, and I was, and I was on a beach project where Camps tur- Outreach trains us to do this. And so I was excited, and I went out uh, to... Uh, to share my faith with somebody. I was at a car wash, and I was like, here's this guy. I'm going to share it with him. And I'll be honest with you, I did a really good job. For, for a young believer, I shared the gospel pretty clearly, and the guy looked at me like I was an idiot. Uh, I think he might have called me that. Uh, but I, 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 but, the, but a week later, I did it again. I went out on the beach, and I shared the gospel with this guy. I tried to do the bridge diagram again, and I blew it. And as I was, because I didn't have any paper, I didn't have anything, this was a new territory. So I'm like trying to draw the bridge diagram in the sand. I'm trying to illustrate it all. And I'm like, ah, oh, this guy's going to hell for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember, I remember I look at the guy and I'm just despairing. And I'm like, what a, I like, does, does any of this make sense to you? And this is what he said to me. He said, I've been in church my whole life. He said, my dad's a, a music minister. And that's the clearest I think I've ever heard, uh, it explained to me about how to be a Christian. I, I think he became a Christian. And I think he went and talked to his dad and may have become a Christian. And he, here's what was huge for me. I left, I walked down the beach by myself, I was praying, I was like, God, I, I think I get it. It doesn't depend on me. It depends on you. I did really good one time and it didn't go well. I did really horrible the next time and it looks like a miracle happened. Uh, and so I will trust you. I'll trust your grace. I'll trust your love. Uh, he will work through you He loves working through unskilled people. He loves working through broken people. He loves to use the weak to shame the wise. Be weak and be faithful, and God will use you in big ways. I'm going to give you three questions to wrestle with, and some of you will. I want to ask you to talk with your wife your spouse or somebody sometime the next day or so. I hope you'll do this, but here's three questions to wrestle with. Number one, is there something in your life, is there a desire, a goal, something you're giving your life to uh, that, does, that, that does not line up with the kingdom call that is keeping you from being a faithful ambassador? Basically, the question is, is there an idol in your life that's keeping this, keeping this from happening? now I would ask you, would you repent and would you fight it? Secondly, uh, I'd love for you to think prayerfully about who has God called you to to be an ambassador to? Who who is he put in your life uh, that he would want you to be an ambassador to? I would ask you to write them down and start praying for them. And then thirdly, I would ask you to think through what are my obstacles to what are the obstacles in my life to becoming the representative God wants me to be? And what do I mean like that? Well, for some of you, it's going to be time. You're going to say, "Where am I going to find the time?" And here's what I'm going to say to you: I don't know. I've got four kids. And I'm, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to wake up in the morning. I feel like I should get like a 1,000 points just for getting out of bed. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, but I, here's what I would say. Find the time. Find the way. Sacrifice something. You know, do it with your family. Find, figure out a way uh, to, to be engaging the lost world uh, because it's worth it. Uh, and I think it will bless your soul. Let me pray. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us not to be...